shot in the end zone. Double coverage, but Randy Moss comes down with it. Unbelievable. Double coverage. He split the defenders. And he makes the score. Five seconds left. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it. And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Vikings sideline has gone nice. This team that we're looking for next year. We're improving It's now. the Going for Two podcast. Now, join your hosts, Ben and Kate. All right, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Going for Two Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ben, joined by my fellow co-host, Caleb. We have a exciting episode, chocked full of a bunch of goodness, covering Week 5 NFL action and doing a brief preview of Week 6 NFL action coming up. To get things started, Caleb, how you doing, man? Yeah, doing good. Um, you know, myself, injury-free. Unlike a lot of the guys out there right now, I think. Uh, so, well, I was going to uh, say, I think that's the in terms of the big news. Aside from the Chase Claypool news, I think the biggest news is just the injuries. Did you have any significant ones that you wanted to bring up? Um, obviously, everybody's talking about the Justin Jefferson one. Uh, gets Massive. placed on IR this week, going to be out for at least four weeks with a hamstring injury massive that's a massive hit to the minnesota vikings i mean he's pretty much i mean Kirk cousins has been dynamic but he has been by far their best player yeah not only that but uh as well as uh, addison was on the uh injury report as well today so they're they're technically down two of their star wide receivers so i mean what i would say suggest all you fantasy heads out there definitely go out there and pick up uh kasim osgood and uh, if you have T.J. Hawkinson, congratulations. You may have a league winner there because um, he's probably going to be receiving 15 targets a game. Yeah, um, yeah. as well as um, other injury news, Devin A. Chan. Been mm-hmm. pronouncing it wrong since he was at A&M. I couldn't believe it. Went out in the media uh, last week and said it's pronounced A. Chan. So hmm. uh, unlucky news for him. He's also hitting the IR this week. Uh, got Had a knee injury evaluated by Miami, kind of downplayed it, saying like, oh, it's not that bad. Uh, McDaniels had a look at it with the the doctors over there, and they decided to throw him on the IR as well. Yeah, I mean, man, it is, dude, it's starting to mount up. And that was, I think, the biggest storyline from week five was just the injuries across the board. I think almost every team was getting dinged up a little bit. So we're definitely starting to round into midseason form, but – I think my biggest, one of my biggest takeaways from this week, um, just kind of surface level, definitely not my biggest takeaway, was the sloppy play seems to be over. A lot of these teams seem to be rounding up and like, getting back into form, and they are ready to go. Um, we're seeing the offenses perform at a very high level. We're seeing the defenses perform at a high level as well. So, man, it's just making for good football. And this is it's around week five, week six, where I really start to feel like football is officially back. I feel like we're out of that honeymoon phase of the preseason, and now we're getting to the really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, teams are turning. Uh, injuries are starting to mount up, seeing who, what team is healthy, what team is not. And those teams that are unhealthy are really circling that bye week and saying how many more till we've just got to tread water to get to it. Yeah, and I mean, on our hometown team, the Cincinnati Bengals, I think they're, uh, I think they have it circled themselves. They're trying to just get a little bit healthier as they move along. So, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Caleb, are you ready to get into our Week Five breakdown? 
Yeah, let's do it. All right. So our very first week was last week, Thursday night football between the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders. A bit of a shocker here and unfortunately dagger to the hearts of the Going for Two football podcast family as the first game of our five-game parlay went the opposite way that we were expecting. The Chicago Bears came away with a 10 or 20-point victory, 40-20. to 20. I think the biggest storyline here aside from the three-touchdown performance from D.J. Moore, who was just completely all over the field. The storyline here is the Chicago Bears. Was Chase Claypool a cancer in that locker room? Have they figured things out? Is Justin Fields actually the answer to the future? I don't know. Um, I still tend to think he's not. But, Caleb, did you have any thoughts on this game? Um, Yeah, it it was kind of a weird game. Commanders came in favored by seven in Vegas. Thought this was my slam dunk for the first leg of the five-team parlay, and then they go out and get waxed by 20. Um, DJ Moore had, should have had four touchdowns. He put up like 50 fantasy points, so whoever had him all going, you know, congratulations. You won week five of uh, your fantasy leagues over there. I do have um, to say this much. Ron Rivera, Washington Redskins, just a little bit of coaching advice. I know I'm not a pro here, but it's probably a good idea to really cover the other team's best player. I mean, it yeah, just made me, I mean, I'm just, just it, being honest here. It always shocks me when a guy gets, you know, over a hundred yards and already has two touchdowns. It's as a defensive coach, it's you do everything you can just to take him out and say, all right, you're not getting any more. We're going to let the other 10 guys on the field beat us. And if that's, if that's what happens, then so be it. But this guy's not just going to run free in our secondary all day. Well, I, I kept watching that game last Thursday night, and I kept thinking of Bill Belichick. And, you know, it's always been kind of like a – it's become almost like a trope for Bill B at this point where it, it's always like, you know, he he schemes his defense to take away the best player of the other – of the opposing team. And it's – I kept thinking, I'm like, why are you not just double, triple teaming DJ Moore? Like, let the other guys beat you because he's just continuing to just hammer it home. And it wasn't it wasn't anyone else. I mean, I think Khalil Herbert was running well, and Justin Fields was passing the ball well, but he's passing the ball well to DJ Moore. So it's just like it's infuriating to watch. Oh, I um, agree. Yeah, I mean, as as a defensive as a DB coach for a couple of years, it's you roll your corner down, whether he be in the slot or whether he be on the line, you you know jam him at some capacity, whether it be in the slot or on the line. And then you also have a bracket over the top of him with either a safety help or an underneath coverage with like an outside linebacker. And you just take him completely out of the game. But they just didn't. They just kept him in man, kept playing zone, and he was just eating him alive. It was shocking. True enough. But, you know, credit to him. He made the plays. He made the catches. Should have had four touchdowns. Uh, do I think the Bears are all the way back? I do not. I think this was a good win for them, but I think the commanders – was a little bit of a blunder of their own. I believe what I heard was, and the reason why I don't think they're all the way back, is the 29th and 31st ranked passing defenses who they've played the last two weeks. That's always going to help out a little bit for a struggling passing game. On the flip side, the Washington Commanders, I love Sam Howell. I loved what he did in this game. I think he was getting into a good rhythm, threw for 370 yards. But the best part, the part that I really enjoyed about watching him play, he, this man was reading the field well. I think he threw the ball to, I think it was 11 different targets. So, I mean, it wasn't him just, you know, hammering in on Terry McLaurin, who, you know, probably should have hammered him a little bit more. But 
he was dispersing the ball around well. I liked what I saw from Sam Howe. I, my biggest question with the commanders is I'm not sold on Ron Rivera being the head coach moving forward. I think we may see a changing of the guard there quickly. I think this might be a perfect spot for Eric Bieniemy to slide in and become the next head coach of the Washington Commanders, but I don't know. I'm not a I, I'm, I'm not an insider for Washington, but that's what just what I'm what I'm seeing yeah, in I mean, the writing. On the word wall. on the street is, and just the outside looking in, is that's just the natural cause and like selection of the hire of Bieniemy was in case things do go south with River with Riverboat Ron. You know, you got a solid backup option who's been coveted by the league in many capacity to be a head coach for years. Uh, and, so I think he's poised to, you know, take the reins here soon. No, and this was a it was a good game, a lot of scoring to get us started, but that took us into our very first Sunday game, another London game. London game, Caleb, you want to take it away? Yeah, yeah, it was Jaguars, which are basically London's home team at this point, playing. Uh, in the Tottenham Spurs Stadium against uh, the Buffalo Bills. In a shocker here, Bills were favored by three going into this game. Jaguars ended up taking it home 25-20, really led by their defensive play. Their defense was excellent. Buffalo couldn't get anything going until very late in the game. Josh Allen hitting Josh Allen is always one of the best tropes of the NFL season. Yep, um, and th- there was even a flag on that one. It was uh, roughing the passer, Josh Allen against Josh Allen. Yeah, it's it's always a treat when we get two uh, two Joshes, two Josh Allen sacking, um, one sacking the other, or the other one burning the other one. It's always. Oh, let a, me tell you, my wife was confused watching that game. <laughs> I, I think she's a lot like, of us wait. were. She's like, "Wait, which team is Josh Allen on?" Uh, both. He's on. He's list. on both teams. Yep. <laughs> she's like, "So Josh Allen, Taxel, Josh Allen." I was like. Yeah, yeah, I yep, think you are correct. I think and there's no Taylor Swift at this game, so don't even ask about it. Who? Yep, Who are we I, talking about? Um, Jason Kelsey. <laughs> no, I think my biggest takeaway of this game was honestly, I started thinking a lot about jet lag and how it affects teams. You know, we all know the Jaguars have been in London for over a week, so they've gotten a little more accustomed to it. They've gotten used to the the kind of the uh, the, the the time differential there. That was what crossed my mind. I don't know how much that actually has to play into it, but the Jaguars came out and they punched him right in the mouth. Travis Etienne was running the ball well. I felt like uh, I felt like Trevor Lawrence was making doing enough to win the game, but he didn't blow me away with anything. Um, I do think the Jaguars, and I do want to make a special note before we move on to our next game, I do think the Jaguars have one of the more underrated wide receiving cores in the NFL. A lot of cast-offs from, another teams, but from other teams, but they've been producing Zay Jones, uh, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. I like what I see out of the Jaguars wide receiving core. Oh, and I can't even I can't forget Evan Ingram, who's Josh or Trevor Lawrence's favorite target there. So, I mean, um, good win for the Jaguars, great win. Yeah, it was like every time the Bills had a chance on third down just to get off the field, their defense, it was like Calvin Ridley would just eat up somebody in zone coverage and move the chains. Uh, And then it was ETN running wild at the end of the game just to seal it. ETN, I mean, Calvin Ridley went well over 100 yards, and Calvin Ridley, or uh, ETN went well over 100 yards, I believe 160 yards rushing, and Calvin Ridley was over 100 yards passing or uh, receiving. So you'll always like to see that. But that did kind of finish our first Monday, our first game of Sunday morning. We moved into the one, slot, one o'clock slot of games, and we got to watch the Indian or the New Orleans Saints face off against the New England Patriots. 
and this was a blowout. New Orleans Saints 34, New England 0. Biggest takeaway here is what are the Patriots going to do? Is Bill Belichick, is his leash as long as we think it may be? Is he kind of on his last ropes? Is he even going to want to be there anymore? Because there's not a lot of answers right there on that team. There's not a lot of talent. Actually, I would say their best player, Christian Gonzalez, the rookie out of Oregon, he is out for the year. We knew that going into the game. I don't know what's going on in New England. I think we're going to see a massive changing in the guard moving forward. Yeah. Um, anytime you're getting blown out by the Saints, 34 nothing, with you know not a stellar Saints team, this isn't the Drew Brees era Saints. This is the Derek Carr, Jameis Winston era saints um yeah it was ugly all around i don't know how long Belichick's gonna still be coaching it seems like he's on to the next as he always is but i mean my I, biggest, I don't know how my biggest much more forgiveness he can have my biggest takeaway is mac jones is clearly not the guy he is one i mean He's not the, he doesn't have the greatest reputation on the field, but on top of that, he's not the greatest player in the world. He's very much so underperformed given his lofty draft status from that 2021 NFL draft. I thought he's really kind of dropped the ball there a little bit. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, they might have a little bit of something there. They may not have st like a stellar player at each position, but they have solid options. I can't go without saying Chris Olave. I think he's a slightly underused there in New Orleans. I think he's an elite-level route runner. And then Michael Thomas, you know, Michael Thomas needs a paycheck, so this is a contract year for him. So, of course, you know, we see him on the field after being off for three years. Um, overall, just a miserable game. But the the next one, honestly, uh, it's a good thing here, and it's a good thing we're gonna get the two uh, probably two the two worst games we saw this weekend out of the way right away. Caleb, you want to take us away with the next one? Yeah, the the next one was also like you have hinted to, kind of an ugly one, but an exciting one. It was uh, the Tennessee Titans going into Indianapolis, uh, where the Titans were actually favored in this game. However, Anthony Richardson goes in, gets hurt. Sounds like he's going to be injured for quite some time. However, the Colts steal one 23-16. They did, and I do have to say Gardner Minshew is without a doubt the best backup in all of football right now. I think he deserves to be a starter somewhere or at least given the opportunity to compete for a starting position. The Anthony Richardson news is definitely the storyline of this game that everyone wants to follow along with. He has been electric the first couple of games. Um, I know, Caleb, you and I, we're not exactly high on his overall upside and his longevity in the league, but I think for the most part, he's been pretty good so far. So he's out of the game. Derrick Henry, he looks like he's been running in mud all year long. He doesn't look explosive at all. Some people point to the offensive line, but then my argument would be, the other story, I would say the biggest storyline for the Tennessee Titans is rookie running back Tajay Spears, Mr. No ACLs himself, looks explosive. He looks great. He looks like the better running back between the two, to be honest with you. Yep, I 100% I agree there. And we always talk about, you know, how many miles does a running back have on their legs? Like how many touches and what is the magic number of touches before the wheels fall off? And Henry has far exceeded like a Toyota Tacoma does on their mileage. However, eventually that Toyota Tacoma's mileage will catch up to it. And I think we're starting to see the beginning of it with Henry. Yeah. 
You know, it it kills me because he is, I think he's going to be one of the last like smash mouth running back, superstar running backs that we're going to see. I think he's on his last legs, like we said. Um, he's in a, the last year of his contract there in Tennessee, so I think the writing's on the wall for them to to move on from him, either see him take a reduced role and reduced pay next year on a team-friendly deal to finish out his career in Tennessee, or he's going to be playing elsewhere. Somebody's going to give him a big deal or a decent deal to play for them. He's a big name. It puts butts in seats. So, I mean, I, I am a little sad to see Derrick Henry go because he is such a specimen and he's fun to watch him run. Um, but overall, I think the, the writing's on the wall there. Yep. Uh, the other writing that happened during this game was Jonathan Taylor inking a new three-year deal at the Colts, coming off the pup, was actually active. They had him on a pitch count. He barely ran the ball, um, but just a good for good sign to see for Colts fans him being back on the field. So and I do have to say, I think this is a massive storyline is Jonathan Taylor, but it's it, it wouldn't be as big of a, a storyline with Jonathan Taylor if Zach Moss wasn't looking like Derrick Henry. The yeah. last two weeks, Zach Moss has been running crazy hard. He went well over he went over 150 yards in this game. I believe it's for the second straight week went over 150 yards rushing. He looks like he's a man running for running possessed right now. So I am so intrigued, and I'm, I'm very curious to hear your football perspective, Caleb, on what the Colts should do with two running backs like this. Because at the rate that Zach Moss is running right now, you can't reduce his workload. He's definitely the hot hand. He looks like the best pure running back in football right now. Yeah, I said it, the best pure running back in football right now. But I'm, I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on that before we move on to our next game. Yeah. I, I can't believe the Colts caved and signed Jonathan Taylor to that deal when Moss was putting up the numbers that he was putting up. I mean, um, I think after this game, they have to regret it, right? I mean, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I I think it just goes to show, and I've said it preseason, I've said it a couple weeks in, I have no idea what the Colts front office organization does. And plans to do in the near future the long-term future um this deal doesn't make any sense when you have a guy in your barn already making a lot of hay on the ground and looking like the best running back in the nfl right now and with a much cheaper price tag and yeah, it, a massively different price tag it, i am yeah. very intrigued to see what they're going to do there on this this coming sunday I mean, the story you always hear, and this is what intrigues me the most, is you always hear the guy who gets paid more, he's going to always receive more work. But that being said, these guys are also competitors. So, I mean, I just don't see how you're going to take Zach Moss on the, off the field, but then you still have to justify that Justin uh, Jonathan Taylor contract. Man, I cannot wait to see how what the Colts are going to do this upcoming weekend. Yep. I, and just one last thing for everybody that was arguing with us before we put this game to bed. Everybody that was arguing with us on Twitter – about the Anthony Richardson versus the um, the or um, oh who is it C.J. Stroud down there in Houston? Yeah, um, yeah. All y'all are wrong. C.J. Stroud definitely the better quarterback just because of his availability every Sunday. See, I mean, this is I think this is the third game out of five games. I believe this is the third game where Anthony Richardson is is uh, left with an injury. Exactly. Very so concerning. Everybody that's saying that his potential is greater and all of that. Yeah, potential is all high and mighty, but you got to be on the field to actually produce on that potential. 
and potential is it potential is the name of the game and you know potentially we always have an elite level matchup when our next two teams face off against one each one another one of the most historic and heated rivalries in all of football the Baltimore Ravens faced off against the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of in a shocker actually not even kind of in a very large shocker the Pittsburgh Steelers pulled out a narrow victory 17 to 10 the story of this game it is everything to do with Matt Canada Kenny Pickett and George Pickens George Pickens is an elite-level talent. I think he has the capabilities to be an elite-level wide receiver in this league. Made the play at the very end of the game. Kenny Pickett audibles into, I believe it was a go-route for George Pickens to go down the field. Scores the game-winning touchdown with 20 seconds left on the clock. And the Baltimore Ravens have no answer. And I know we're also going to have to comment on the Baltimore Ravens receiving core because they dropped the ball for Lamar big time this week. Yeah, not only literally, but also figuratively on that. However, the defense of the Steelers, man, they defense wins uh, championships. Well, in the Steel City this year, defense is winning some games. Um, the biggest blow and takeaway from this, I have two big takeaways. One, Lamar and that wide receiving core, the whole Ravens offense looked abysmal. And Lamar does not look like he's living up to the contract that he signed. B, TJ Watt got injured uh, dislocated his finger pretty gruesomely and popped it back in as he ran off the field. Um, but yeah, and stayed in the game. It was wild. And I mean, I think he is definitely the defensive front runner for this upcoming season. Who was your, uh, I think that was your pick for defensive MVP pick. this year. He yep. has a sizable lead on that, on that award at the end of the season. If he continues up this pace, I believe he's on pace for 27 and a half sacks, which would shatter the all-time sack record for a season. He is on fire right now, but I completely agree with you in terms of Lamar. Specifically, he was throwing a couple balls into the dirt or sailing balls well over wide receivers' heads. Didn't get any help. Like you said, there were drops by Mark Andrews, by um, Nelson Aguilar, and Odell Beckham. But Ooh, that Aguilar one was brutal. Oh, it was, it was route, right, right in the red basket. Right yeah, in the red basket. Yards, yeah. And I do have to say, the we do have to mention, the Baltimore Ravens did have the opportunity to put this game away with about three minutes left in the game. They're driving down the field. I believe they were starting to go into the red zone, and Lamar Jackson, oh, an utterly devastating inter, uh, interception, throws a really poor fade pass into the back of the end zone. It's picked off by Joey Porter Jr. A couple plays later, pick it to Pickens, game over. Kenny two gloves slinging the ball down the field it's about time it's he's yeah. about to be Kenny fourth quarter is what he's going to be so yeah. there's actually a split when you look at his regular uh his the stats that he puts up between quarters one through three compared to quarters four it is substantial um they do have an offensive coordinator position uh issue over there with Matt Canada I know fans want to see him gone so Definitely some questions to be answered or to be asked moving forward, but overall, I think it was it. I think it did live up to the hype of a Baltimore Pittsburgh um, game. Very exciting to watch. Really hard nose, good defense, uh, sporadic, good offensive play. Um, overall, I think it lived up to the hype. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. And then uh, it also kept the AFC North standings very tight. So, uh, just a storyline to look forward to the rest of the year. That it, we we called this preseason. Anybody could win that division, and it's just turning into be a knockdown drag out already. And we're only in week five. It's a heavyweight bout. Yep. But talking about some heavyweights, 
ready for some kneecaps to be eaten. Oh, I'm ready for kneecaps. Oh, yeah. Panthers came into the Lions, the battle of the big cats. Well, there was one big cat in this game, and that would be the Lions. Uh, they won 42-24, to 24, almost doubled the Panthers up. Um, that Lions offense, Jaron Goff, looked really good. There was no Amon, uh, St. Brown, uh, no Jameer Gibbs, and they still put up 42. Yeah, I mean, and I think – there's a lot of these teams that as the season's progressing, more and more questions are starting to arise. I think we're getting close to an answer, at least in the immediate, that Bryce Bryce Young should not have been the number one overall pick. He looks like he is a couple step, steps below Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud at this point. I honestly would say that Andy Dalton is the better quarterback between the two. I think he was actually pulled in this game for a, split, a second. Tell me if I'm wrong here on this. but You are not. I think he was actually benched in this game for a little bit in favor of Andy Dalton, which is definitely not what you want to see from your number one overall pick. No, no, but I think the storyline of this game is that Lions team looks pretty legit this year. I think they could make the playoffs and knock a team off for sure. They are solid to very good at every position. Um, it always helps out. I am concerned about their usage of Jameer Gibbs a little bit. He's been a disappointing player for me so far from Detroit. I expected a little more. I expected a little bit more creativity, especially if you're investing a first-round pick into a running back. Um, he's injured. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, I believe, but it's okay. David Montgomery has been playing like Iowa state, David Montgomery, not Chicago. But David Montgomery. He is a lot like Zach Moss. He has been exploding here recently. He looks great. I believe he's the number one fantasy running back over the last three weeks. Um, he's uh, I, I believe think- I think it's either him or McCaffrey. McCaffrey's up there. I know David Johnson or David Montgomery's been putting up numbers, though. I think this is his second 30 point game in a row. But regardless, they look great. Jared Goff, I, man, he goes into that underappreciated quarterback category for me. I just think that he is a much better player than everyone gives him credit for. Um, but he's playing well. So, you know, good win for Detroit. They're legit. Looks like they're going to end up winning that division. I think you called that one correctly in the beginning of the season, but it's a, it'll be fun to watch them in the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And then next up, we had a battle of a rookie quarterback versus a sophomore quarterback. Texans going into Atlanta. This game was very exciting to watch and went right down to the wire. Uh, the Texans fell to the Falcons 21-19. However, C.J. Stroud looked great. B. John Robinson looked fantastic. The sky cam angle, I don't know if you've seen it, of B. John Robinson catching the ball behind him, shaking a guy while he's trying to rein in the ball for a touchdown. It might be one of the plays of the year. It was pretty incredible. B. John Robinson is is a special talent. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the usage that they've seen so far, but that's mostly because I have him at fantasy teams. But overall, he has looked phenomenal this year. I do have to say Desmond Ritter was brutal for three quarters of this game. He came alive in the fourth quarter. And I my biggest question is, is where is that Desmond Ritter at? Where has he been for the entirety of the season? Because if he can play like that, the pass to Bijan was his worst pass on that drive. And if he can play like that the remainder of the season, they were getting Kyle Pitts involved in the fourth. They were getting, you know, Drake London involved in the fourth quarter. I think everything was starting to click for Atlanta. So I can't wait to see if Atlanta is the real deal and things are just starting to click for them a little bit or 
if this is kind of an anomaly and he just got hot at the right time. But um, special props up to C.J. Stroud. He still continues to play well. He does something for me, Caleb, that is very rare for a rookie quarterback is when he enters on the field, you can just already feel that that is his team. He is definitely the leader of that team. He has full control and full command of that offense. I love to see it, man. I was way wrong on C.J. Stroud. I'm going to say it every single week as long as he keeps playing the way he's doing it. I was wrong. I thought C.J. Stroud was a bust. I wouldn't have touched him in the first round, and that's why I'm not an NFL GM. Yeah, um, I, I, my buddy, my best friend, my best man at my wedding, he's, he's from Houston. He lives in Houston currently, a uh, big-time Texans fan. Uh, you, when you and I watched the draft together, I said this was the best quarterback coming out of this draft class, and boy, is he living up to it. I was a little bit wrong about Anthony Richardson's hype, um, he is doing, like you've, we've mentioned in previous episodes, Anthony Richardson doing better than we expected, noted when he is on the field. And then you and I both were hammered nail on the head, Bryce Young underperforming this whole year. So It's really disappointing. It's really disappointing to me to see Bryce Young. I mean, you don't ever want to see a guy fail, um, especially a guy who's so young. I think he's only 21 or 22 years old. He's, he's one of those young guys. You don't want to see them have their confidence rock, but... I mean, even the reports, man, I, and I know we're going back to the last game that we just covered, but, man, give us, pour one out for him and his reputation with the whole, the tush push and stuff and how he, the reports came out that he's too small to even perform it. I just thought that was an unnecessary story to be put out there. I mean, I do find it a bit humorous, to be honest with you, but a little excess, or uh, not, not really worthy of being put out there. But, yeah, um, CJ Stroud, he is the truth, man. I think he, he reminds me of Justin Herbert, the way that he disperses the ball, but that's just me. Yeah, and still hasn't thrown a pick yet, so nope. it's really interesting. For but, a rookie quarterback, that is. Yeah, um, it's been good. Yeah, moving on to the not-so-good. We can skip uh, this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish we could. And we might not spend long on it because Miami routed the Giants 31-16. to Biggest storyline here. Uh, Daniel Jones out with another neck injury. Uh, seems like it's the same neck injury that kept him off the field um, in previous seasons. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him moving forward. And they are full-on imploding there in New York. I mean, they're 0-5 at this point. Daniel Jones was given a massive contract in the offseason. He has definitely not lived up to that money. It looks like they overspent and panicked a little bit at the thought of losing Daniel Jones. Probably going to regret paying him that much money. I, I believe Saquon Barkley is gone next year. I think he was your winner of the week last week. Um, that he only signed a one-year contract. So I think he is gone this year. I think this is his last year in New York. And honestly, I think they're going to blow the whole thing up. Yeah, and rightfully so. Um, other news, obviously we talked about it. Devin Aachain, um going to be placed on the IR. He actually just was today. Uh, placed on the IR for the Dolphins. So... It's going to be the Raheem Mostert show. So if you have him on your fantasy team, definitely add him into the next uh, uh, week week six lineup. He's going to get you some points there. Um, and then Tyreek Hill getting fined 100K for not wearing socks. Which that seemed like an excessive um, penalty to me. <laughs> I don't know what the big deal was, but the dude doesn't I... want to wear socks. Just don't let him wear socks. I mean, who cares? I mean, yeah. I mean, at this point, who cares? 
The Miami Dolphins, though, they are definitely entrenched as a top two offense in football. I think there's only one other team that might be in that discussion. Um, we can get to them in a little bit. But overall, it, not really much to talk about here. The Dolphins keep on rolling. Kind of a middling performance by Tua. It wasn't great in this game, but, I mean, you don't need to when Devin H. is or H. Ain is running the way that he is. And um, the way that Tyreek is is playing right now, I mean, not much, they don't have you don't have to do too much to be successful there. Well, um, um, last biggest story was the Claypool signing or the trade by Miami this week. Uh, they, Miami gave up a they swapped a sixth and a seventh rounder uh, from the Bears and got Claypool on the team. So uh, if they milk anything out of him with his speed, I think it's a win down there in Miami which I'm actually curious kind of sidebar pause our timer per game why do you think Chase Capel I mean when he came into the league out of Notre Dame I believe he was a third round pick out of Notre Dame big body guy 6'4 6'5 can move great at the point of attack one of these uh, these uh, 50-50 balls what do you think just happened do you think it's just all behavioral related like didn't want to put in the work anymore I mean I just don't feel like a guy who's just now 25 years old is going to implode the way he has like socially and emotionally but what are your thoughts just my thoughts nothing professional here no insight on the matter um he came into the league as an unknown rookie really no no tape on him like you said out of Notre Dame but no one really knows how to gauge those teams um, because Notre Dame's independent. You, do, you don't go up against the Alabamas, the Georgias, uh, the Oregons week in and week out. Um, I think what happened was he went onto that Steelers team and that Steelers wide receiver core that he went into was absolutely phenomenal. And so he faced the third best, the fourth best, the linebackers of the world in coverage and said to himself, oh, this game is just as easy, if not easier, than what I played in college, and put out some respectable numbers at the Steelers. Then went and got paid at another place and was the true number one with all that pressure and was like, oh, maybe this actually isn't as easy as I thought it was. Oh, now they have film on my tendencies and what I like to do week in, week out. And there's a scouting report on them and a game plan developed as him as the true number one to take him out of the game. And I think he just mentally hasn't been able to recover from that. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's, there's something rooted there. I'm con- a little concerned about him, not Chandler, not Chandler Jones concerned, but like, Oh yeah, no, I, no, nothing, nothing on that level. Man. I am, I am concerned about him. Hopefully, you know, Mike McDaniels can unlock something for him. I would love to see them split him out wide, but have him line up in the slot, kind of like a hybrid wide receiver hybrid. I think that would be really cool. I think he's such a I think he is at least a talent that you could utilize in that space and who knows he could end up turning out to be a Dale, uh, a Darren Waller type who's a big bodied receiver but doesn't have the skills to win on the outside and you know can operate like a tight end uh, receiving tight end. So I'm yeah. curious to see how it's going to play out there. This might be a hot take by me. I think he goes over 600 yards this year still. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, if that offense, you never know. I mean, they're breaking records every week, so there is a good chance that he does. Yep. 
But moving on to another high-powered offense. Moving on to another high-powered offense and one that hits close to home for me and Caleb. The Cincinnati Bengals go into Arizona and come out with a massive victory, 34-20. to I think in the second half, this game wasn't nearly as close as the score represents as it just seemed like Cincinnati was outclassing Arizona at every position. The biggest storyline of this game is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that Bengals' entire offense. They look like they're back. Um, T. Higgins did get banged up in this game. He went left this game with um, some cracked ribs. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully he can get back sooner rather than later. But the offense looks like they have definitely rebounded quite a bit, and they looked really good on Saturday. So I'm, yeah. and we've heard that the knee was getting healthier. I'm just curious to see how that's going to carry into Week Six. Yeah, Jamar Chase, uh, offensive rookie of the, or not offensive rookie of the week, offensive player of the week. Uh, set a Bengals franchise record. I think it was 15 catches for three touchdowns and 100 and I think it was like 70 yards. Right 192. Around 92. There you go. Um, but yeah, anytime you're setting a franchise record, odds are you're probably going to win offensive player league. Yeah, and I was actually surprised that he won that over uh, DJ Moore up there in uh, up there in Chicago. But you know, good for him. But the Bengals' offense looked great. It is Arizona, so curb your expectations a little bit there. But I do think they're getting healthier. I think they're getting back on it. I think we're going to see them go on a tear. I think they're going to have a hard time with San Francisco in two weeks. But it's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. But it's good to see the Cincinnati Bengals get back into the W column again. Yep, we'll see what happens this next upcoming week. Um, there was a crazy stat put out. They have they host the Seahawks this upcoming week. The Seahawks in the one o'clock slot game for the past, I think it's like twenty years. They are like seventeen and one in the one o'clock slot game when they're on the road. Oh, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, so we'll they have by far the best record of a West Coast team playing on the one o'clock slot games in the all of the NFL. So we'll see if we can shake them and beat them down. I don't like that. I don't like that at all, Caleb. Why don't you tell me yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, just, hey, the, the stats don't lie. <laughs> the stats don't care about your feelings. They are the 12th worst passing defense in the NFL, so it's going to be interesting to see how Cincinnati can exploit that. Um, it should be a fun game, though. Pete Carroll, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, Geno Smith. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch it, watch it unfold. Yeah, I'm. I'm just happy to see uh, you know DK Metcalf coming to town. The the set the Seahawks hold a special place in our heart here in the Cincinnati area uh, because Sean Alexander, you know, all Madden team, Seattle, uh, Ring of Honor inductee, um, one of their all time leading rushers of out, out there in Seattle is actually from Northern Kentucky, which is right across the river river from Cincinnati. So I'm sure he'll be at the game. It's always special having him in town. Um, but yeah, there is that connection with him and Hasselback out there in Seattle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch it unfold. I think it's going to be a, a pretty good matchup. I'm really excited to see Tariq Woolen um, and see how he can who who they're going to match up him with. Is he going to be on Trenton Irvin or Irwin, or is he going to be on Jamar Chase? I'm really curious to see how this is going to unfold, and I'm looking forward to it greatly. Um, but to the East Coast Birds. To the to the East Coast Birds, yeah. To the East Coast Birds, we go Eagles going into L.A. versus the Rams. Uh, all the hype around this game, Cooper Cup being back uh, alongside Puka Nakua uh, with the Rams' real high-powered offense. The storyline of this game, Jalen Carter just eating on that Eagles defense. Uh, Eagles take this one 23-14. 
And you do have to make special mention of the Jalen Carter next to um, uh, who's the other defense tackle that he drafted from Jordan, Jordan Davis. That oh, yeah. was quite humorous because, as we know, Jalen Carter is maybe the best defensive rookie in the NFL this season. But next to <laughs> next to his counterpart there, he looks like a dwarf. I cannot believe that the Eagles got those two guys. I mean, shame on the rest of the NFL for letting Jalen Carter slip to the Eagles, who were already a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, it's a it's a real shame. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna go on a deep run. Um, I do think the NFC is going to come down to them and one other team that we're going to get to here very shortly. Um, but speaking of which, moving on, because that game didn't have too many storylines, and this one is just so juicy. Moving on to our Toilet Bowl of the Week, or our Suck Bowl of the Week, if you want to do it weekly, this would be, but it's not, but... The New York Jets go up against the Denver Broncos over there in Mile High Stadium. The New York Jets come away with a 31-21 victory over the Denver Broncos. I think the storyline of this game is obviously, surprisingly, is the implosion of the Denver Broncos with, um, with Russell Wilson. All the reports are coming out now that it's looking like the Broncos are going to start a whole fire sale of the entire roster. Um, the, this, what I've heard so far is there's only one untouchable player, and that is Patrick Sertan, who is an elite-level cornerback out there in Denver, but the rest of the roster can be had. Um, the New York Jets, they won the game on paper, but it felt like the Broncos gave them the game on paper. Um, they really imploded down the stretch, and that entire team has just been abysmal this entire year. This was the game that made me so mad for the five-game parlay. Because we had the Jets in the five-game parlay. Everything before here just blew up on the five-game parlay. This was supposed to be the toughest game, odds-wise, and we nailed it. That <laughs> was just like, really? I mean, Brees Hall, so, man. That's the story. One of the, the, the star of the game was Brees yeah. Hall. Going for 177 yards rushing on the ground. You mentioned it last week on last week's pod. They took him off the pitch count. He looks phenomenal. So, I mean, I think he's uh, he has a chance to uh, really do some damage down the stretch. And I think the Jets, uh, if they're inching towards an Aaron Rodgers return, which we've been hinted at by Rodgers himself, every game that the Jets win is just another another win closer to the postseason, which is another step closer to Rodgers coming back. So it's going to be intriguing no. to see them finish the season out. They can't make the postseason. I went out on a limb. I called it. I said they were not making the postseason early, preseason. I'm sticking to it. I I still don't think they have the offense too. Their defense is phenomenal though. We'll see, man. We'll see. I'm very curious to see how they're going to perform down the stretch. I really am. This is one of the more intriguing teams that I've been following a little bit closer, um, just because they do have such a good roster. But you know the quarterback position is abysmal. Zach Taylor in, or uh, Zach Wilson in this game didn't look that great. He had his moments where he was he he had some pretty wow you throws, but you've come to expect that was Zach Wilson. But for the most part, it doesn't look good. Um, I'm just starting to wonder, Caleb, if he's actually even a long-term solution at all. I think he's more of a backup type player, but I don't know if it's the attitude for that. Um, yeah, I was hoping to see a little bit more from him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just don't have any answers for it. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, backup is probably his ceiling. Uh, for his potential, I don't foresee him getting a, a long-term contract anywhere. 
And I, honestly, like Joshua Dobbs out there in Arizona is outplaying him head and shoulders. If you put Joshua Dobbs on this Jets roster, I think this Jets roster is rolling and we're very much considering them making the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think they have the talent on paper. Um, speaking of a team that should be making the, a deep postseason run, Caleb, you want to take us up to the next game? Yep. It will be – it was the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Kansas City Swifties. Um, oh, I mean the Kansas City Chiefs, my bad. Um, biggest storyline of this game, Justin Jefferson, early exit, hamstring injury like we alluded to earlier in the pod going to be out on ir for at least four weeks um travis kelsey also went down with an ankle injury um i guess tom brady's ex-wife giselle taught taylor swift how to do some voodoo magic up there in the box got him back on the field uh ended up catching the game-winning touchdown uh chiefs took it home 27 to 20 that is crazy i mean i just uh Dude, I they're the NFL is doing their very best to make the Kansas City Chiefs the villains of the league at this point. Um, there was a very I do Full want to make a special heel. note. There was a very questionable finish to this game. The Minnesota Vikings were going on a deep run. There were some questionable calls towards the end of it, which is becoming a little too consistent when it occurs to the Kansas City Chiefs over and over again. Um, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm watching the Chiefs with an eyebrow raised from here on out. Yeah, I mean, for all of the – I don't think the NFL cares, honestly. And I know we are an NFL podcast, but, you know, the viewers and numbers don't lie. She's bringing in two million more viewers per game. Yeah, let's, uh, let's give the fans something rude about here. Yeah, and they're definitely, uh, definitely the most popular team in the league right now, and it's not for the product that's on the field. Um, but one of the teams that, in my opinion, is one of the products, or uh, the hype is all about the product on the field. They are, in my mind, the best team in football, and they had a very big stamp of approval victory this weekend. The San Francisco 49ers hosted the Dallas Cowboys for Sunday night football. And the uh, San Francisco 49ers absolutely slaughtered the Dallas Cowboys on national television. They come away with the victory 42-10, to 10, and honestly, it didn't even feel that close. This 49ers team is so fun to watch. Every, every aspect of their team is just fun to watch. Their offense to their electrifying, electrifying defense. Heck, even their special teams is fun because, you know, one of the two is coming right back on the field, the offense or the defense. Um, glowing personalities on each side of the ball. Brock Purdy still has not lost in games that he has started and finished. Um, Mr. Irrelevant looks like he's going to be getting paid here in the next coming years. He's so, not yeah, it's just an a fun team to watch. Either. Yeah, I mean, it, I, the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl by far. And McCaffrey, CMC looks fantastic. And the defense is incredible. I mean, they are without a doubt, I, I think on paper, the best team in football. My question for you, Caleb, is, well, one, 
Brock Purdy is a great quarterback here. I wouldn't say he's a great quarterback yet, but he is a he's playing like a very great quarterback right now. The writing was on the wall last year from what we saw from Purdy. Zero interceptions so far this year. I got the feeling on Sunday going up a very good Dallas Cowboys defense. I was getting the feeling of like, okay, this guy, every time he drops back to pass, it's going to be a completion, and it's not check downs. It's not slants. It's down the field passes. Do want to curb the enthusiasm with him a little bit. He is playing in a very load, playing on a loaded roster. He also is playing in a very quarterback friendly system where we've seen some other questionable guys have success there. My question for you, though, Caleb, is do you, and I was looking at this earlier, do you see a loss on their record going into the postseason? Yeah, um, I was actually talking to uh, a coworker of mine the other day about this. Um, he's a huge San Francisco fan. Um, I mean, they got the Vikings coming up. If without Justin Jefferson, Vikings don't have a shot. Bengals, you never know what you're going to get with that team. Just because, I mean, if Burrow's healthy, that offense could compete. Um, the Eagles will give them a run. I'm sure that'll be you know, a rivalry game looking into a, a playoff matchup and maybe the Ravens, but I don't think the Ravens have the offense to, to keep up with them, honestly. So I think the, the two best, I guess, opportunities for them to receive a loss would be versus the Bengals at home, but that's a big ask for the Bengals to go in there and win or going to Philly is probably the, the ones I have circled. Yeah, that and the the Cincinnati game is the one that I have kind of circled. I think that's going to be a bit of a trap game. I think if Cincinnati, I think you're going to see a desperate Cincinnati Bengals team if they can pull off a win here with Seattle. That would mean that they're right back in the mix. They're at 500, right back in the thick of the divisional competitions this weekend. Um, I think it's going to if they can w- pull off a win this game. I think that the, they're going to be coming in very fiery into San Francisco, and that game is going to be yeah, the yeah, game and of the we'll week. see what happens. But I mean, we've yeah, we we've also seen that the Cincinnati team this year throw up some duds. So yeah, that's true too. Um, it's they're they're kind of jackal and hide at the moment. They're either really on or really really off. Yeah, you really don't know what you're going to get with them each week in and week out. You don't know, but man, that's Brock Purdy. Gump said, <laughs> "What did he say?" Life's life's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. Um, the but, difference is, yeah. is I would move argue, it on to. Uh, Moving on to the Monday night game, which was abysmal. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't the best game. And I will yeah. be honest with you, Caleb, I didn't yeah, I mean, watch Jordan this game. Jordan Love looked absolutely horrendous in this game. Jordan Love did not look good in this game. No, not no shadow of a doubt. The entire Packers offense let me down. Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones was not playing in this game. Um, AJ Dillon had a decent game. Yeah, I watched uh, a little bit of it. Um, I, I just I couldn't get invested in it. Yeah, I did. I just hold on one second, Caleb. So we had uh, Packers versus the Raiders. Um, Jordan Love just looked pretty abysmal in this game. Uh, to be honest, Ben, I didn't really watch that much of this. I couldn't stand watching Jordan Love play as bad as he did. Um, 
as well as that Josh McDaniels offense out there just doesn't look good. This was just a bad football game all around. Uh, Raiders took it home 17 to 13. And yeah, and you know, it was a good week, week six, exciting action. There was a little bit of sloppy play, but for the most part, it was phenomenal. I was blown away by some of the performances that we got to see. I felt like a little kid again, waking up on Sunday morning with the level of football that we got to see. I really do enjoy the London games too. I wanted to throw that in there. Um, but with that said, that concludes our week five coverage. We're going to start to move into our overall kind of our blanket statements, our winners of the week, our losers of the week, and then we're going to give you a spicy five-game parlay. Caleb, you ready to get going? Let's do it. All right, so here we go. For the winner of the week, Caleb, my winner of the week that for week number five were the Cincinnati Bengals, actually. I think the Cincinnati Bengals were in desperate need of a victory this week. Um, they were a Super Bowl contender coming into the 2023 season. They were one of the best teams in football. I think they were really needing a win to get back into the playoff hunt. And it's crazy to say that at week five, but they did. They were desperate to get another victory um, to get back into that, that scene there. And they really delivered. And albeit it was against a poor or less than average Arizona Cardinals team. But I will say we've seen the, the Cardinals be feisty a little bit, but it was the overarching message and the highlight for me was seeing Joe Burrow gain some of that mobility back. I enjoyed seeing it. Jamar Chase was running wild all over the field, so I really enjoyed that as well. Um, I just think that they really needed a victory to get back into the thick of things. Um, and so they are my winner of the week. My winner of the week, we just talked about this uh, a few seconds ago. Uh, it was San Francisco really flexing their muscles, uh, showing a, a Dallas team that a lot of people have talked about being a potential Super Bowl candidate. Uh, they really put all that and put all of that doubt to bed, and San Francisco just routed them 42 to 10. I think they're the odds on favorite, as we were talking about, to win the Super Bowl, as well as maybe even run the table through the season. Uh, with only a couple games on the schedule that we have circled that they could receive potential losses. No, and I think that the San Francisco 49ers definitely delivered on the on, with a massive victory. I think it's not even close to see them um, uh, to say that they're the best team in football. I was blown away by the performance I saw from them. I would think I was experiencing something a little bit new. I think I was experiencing, I watched the San Francisco 49ers team and I honestly started to think to myself, I don't know who can actually compete with these guys. They look that good right now. So I am watching intently. I can't wait to see how the 49ers are going to perform down the stretch. So I agree with you completely. We are getting towards the end of our podcast here today. So let's go ahead and give our losers of the week. And I will start things off. My biggest loser of the week, the New York Giants. I think the New York Giants came into the 2023 season with some lofty expectations. Daniel Jones was getting paid a ton of money. Um, that entire team looked like they were primed for a playoff run or at least a wild card berth. They had the coach of the year in Brian Dable, and they have come in and been about as flat as you can possibly be. Daniel Jones doesn't look like the guy. Brian Dable is yelling at players on the sidelines. And then you've got other guys out there that just are disappearing in the games. Um, they go into the they go into week six at 0-5, and, and they are going to be in desperate need of a victory. Um, sorry about that. They're, they're actually 1-4. But yeah, same, you're, same you're right, situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're 1-4. Um, 
Daniel Jones, though, out for I think he's going to be out for a couple weeks with that neck injury. Um, I, they're just imploding at this point. Um, along those lines, though, would be my biggest loser as well, as other injury news struck the Minnesota Vikings, another one and four team now without that their uh, potential best wide receiver in the NFL of Justin Jefferson. He's definitely out for the next four weeks. I don't foresee either of the teams that we have chosen as our biggest losers winning from here on out. The only thing that is beneficial for both of these teams, they are A, in need of a quarterback. B, they're both in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Yeah, that is the truth. And he is, I'm becoming, as each week progresses further and further on, I'm becoming more and more of a believer in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes because he looks like a special talent out there at USC. So there are definitely going to be some teams that are competing for his services. I think he would, without a shadow of a doubt, want to go to New York. Um, it's a big market. That team's had historic success over the years. So I don't think there would be any marks or blemishes against him there. So I completely agree with you, man. Yep, but uh, so wrapping this up with uh, another five-team parlay. You ready for, to see who we have this week? I can't wait. I've been waiting all week for this next one. All right, so the five-team parlay, for those of you keeping score at home, we are 2-1 and one on the season for this, which in betting terms is fantastic. <laughs> uh, the saying in Vegas is if you go 50-50 sports betting, you could be a pro. Not saying we're pros, but we're uh, doing pretty good this year. The five teams we got lined up for a parlay action this week are the Baltimore Ravens, the Houston Texans, Tampa Bay Bucks, the LA Rams, and the Philadelphia Eagles. All five of those combined, packaged in, your odds are 1142. So 1,142. 100 bucks pays you $1,142. 10 bucks pays you $114.20. Ooh, dude, that is a good, that's a good, those are some good odds, and I like that parlay. The, you know what? I was going to give you my one concerning matchup in that five-game parlay, but uh, Tampa Bay scares me, man. I'm having a hard time buying into Baker. I really am, but that's the only one that scares me that you that you listed. Coming off a of bye week, and you know what I say about scared? Scared money don't make money. <laughs> that's the truth that's the truth and you, it's, gotta, it's you gotta risk it for the biscuit sometimes and uh not saying we're pros over here but we have hit two already this year um and hoping to hit a lot more and continue uh back on a new streak with this one so we basically say we are pros yeah <laughs> but I, anyways I like pro- semi-pros right <laughs> do we oh man not pros As jackie yet. moon would say Where's the corn dogs? We're getting corn dogs <laughs> corn for everybody, dogs, right? Uh, whenever, whenever I hear semi-pro, that's the first thing that's the first place my brain goes. So I agree with you there. Um, yep. But with that said, you ready to close it out, Caleb? Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll be tweeting out some corn dogs for all the people if we hit corn this, dogs, uh, Jackie. Corn dogs. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the next, the latest episode of the Going for Two Football Podcast. We are having such a blast watching football with you guys this season. I hope you're enjoying our content as well. If you do, please like, subscribe, share. Every little bit helps us grow. Like I've said it and I say it at the end of every one of our shows, we're not getting paid for any of this at all. We don't really anticipate getting paid anytime soon. So we're just doing it for our love of the game. 
you guys are enjoying it too, we appreciate your support. And we will see you guys next week where we'll be breaking down all the exciting week six action. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Going dogs, Jackie. This is for the win for all intents and purposes. The play clock running. Culpepper making an audible. Drops the ball, picks it up. He's going to go in for it. And he will make it. Dante Culpepper gets two. And the Vikings sideline has gone nuts. This team that we're looking for next year, we're improving now for the future. And what a play by Dante. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong in that play.